0: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Gideon Levy is the greatest man in Israel. Of that I have no doubt and most of our viewers already know it. He had to confront the fact that last week Amnesty International declared his country to be an apartheid state. It has caused enormous convulsions and a big effort is being made to discredit Amnesty International as a result. But Gideon Levy of Haaretz newspaper, the most respected and respectable newspaper in Israel, uh, Gideon Levy wrote just exactly in what regard is the Amnesty International report wrong? So we thought we should have him again on the show to ask and maybe answer that very question. Gideon Levy joins me now from Israel. Gideon, welcome uh, back to the show. Before we go on to the Amnesty International issue, I'd like to ask you another question in relation to Ukraine. It is a matter of historical fact uh, that uh, the Nazis massacred a gigantic number, many hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian Jews, and that they did so with local allies. Those local allies were grouped around a man called Stepan Bandera, whose forces fell upon the Ukrainian Jews. Even before the SS got there, they massacred their own Jews as indeed happened in other parts uh, of Europe. Um, The followers of Bandera actually have a regiment in the Ukrainian army, the Azov Battalion. Their street power is to be seen. Their swastikas, their uh, Bandera uh, pictures, their uh, SS insignia on their helmets and so on. How did it come to be, do you think, that Western countries are now arming people uh, who were complicit, indeed, were ahead of the game in the Holocaust in Ukraine, in the early part of the Second World War.
1: It's it's very hard to tell because um, there is, I guess, a new Ukraine also, like there is a new Germany, like there is a new Russia. And I think that uh, in Israel we don't talk about it, we talk only right now about the real effort to prevent a war. This should be the main thing now, to do anything possible to prevent a war because a war will, will not serve anybody.
0: Are you optimistic about that or pessimistic?
1: Very hard to tell. I, tell me what do you think.
0: Well, I thought a very telling decision, the most telling of all the decisions that I heard in the last few days was the decision by Israel uh, to withdraw its citizens from Ukraine. I say it because uh, Israel usually knows what's happening or about to happen in the world. Secondly, Israel has, despite everything, uh, a good relationship with Russia It would not want an extremely sensitive time to stab Russia in the back. There are close relations between Russian people, uh, many of whom live in Israel. Uh, There's visa-free travel between the two countries and so on. Stalin was the first leader in the whole world to recognize Israel. Uh, Stalin's allies in Czechoslovakia provided the weapons uh, for the Israeli armed forces during the war of independence and so on. So when Israel decided to pull its people out of Ukraine, I felt that was a very strong signal that there is going to be a war.
1: I'm not so sure because Israel follows the United States and Israel gets its information from the United States. And um, the feeling is that the United States wants to spread the feeling that we are on the eve of a war. Is it true or not? Only time will show, but it's not necessarily so. Yeah, it it, it seems so, but I think that uh, Israel here followed the United States, and once the United States gave those signals, Israel reacted almost automatically. And still there is a chance, I want to believe that this all leads only to a big, big maneuver, but not to a real war with with bloodshed and occupations.
0: Let's move uh, on then to uh, the Amnesty International report. What was wrong with Amnesty International's conclusions? Anything?
1: Nothing was wrong, only the delay, because I think that it's already a few years that the world can define and should define Israel as an apartheid state. And I'll tell you where is the, the, the really the point of no return. As long as the occupation was perceived as something temporary, then you couldn't claim that Israel is an apartheid state because it has a certain kind of democracy within its sovereign borders and another regime of military occupation in the occupied territories. This did not define Israel as an apartheid state. But once it became clear that the occupation is there to stay, that there are no signs whatsoever that Israel has any kind of intention to put an end to the occupation in any condition, Once you realize that over 50 years of occupation are enough of a time, three times, twice more than Israel existed without the occupation, to realize that the occupation is part and parcel of Israel. And once it is part and parcel of Israel, it defines its nature, it defines its regime, it it defines its democracy. And Israel cannot be declared anymore as a democracy. This happened in the last years. Amnesty is not the first organization, by the way, to to uh, uh, observe this. I'm happy it happened, but now it's about uh, governments and states to realize that this is the reality. You can't break away of it.
0: It's very damning, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm so old that, In my lifetime, uh, Jews in Britain, uh, who may well have supported Israel, were in the advance guard politically. Uh, They were in the advance guard of the socialist movements, progressive movements, trade union movements. In fact, when I was young, many Jewish people were amongst the supreme activists for The right causes uh, in Britain, and I think that that was true in America and elsewhere. South Um, Africa.
1: Don't forget South Africa.
0: And I never, ever will, because I traveled in apartheid South Africa under the protection of...
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
0: Uh, the finest people I've ever met, the Jewish members of the African National Congress. And so in those circumstances, for an organization like Amnesty International, with its reach, with its moral authority to make such a judgment, it is terribly damning. has it impacted on Israeli public opinion?
1: As usual, by denial, by ignoring, with the great help of most of the Israeli media, who almost ignored this report, or ridiculized it, or or, or just put it in a very, very small place as if it's nothing. But you know, it's another step. Uh, It's not a game changer. The world will not change, and Israel will not change after this report, but it's another step. towards maybe another wake-up call towards the world, toward those who care even about Israel and above all about freedom and, and, and equality in the world, that we are facing a second apartheid state now in the Middle East, and the world should they deal with it exactly as it dealt with the first apartheid state.
0: Now, it's easy for me to say here in London, very, very much more difficult for you to say in your uh, journalist chair in Israel, but you did say it because that's the kind of man that you are. Uh, What was the response to your answer? Uh,
1: It was not so dramatic because I claim so now for quite a long time, even my newspaper, which is not exactly with me, claims that Israel is having an apartheid regime in the occupied territories. The only step that I went far in the newspaper that I think that you cannot be half a democracy, and if you have an apartheid system in part of the territory, it defines the whole territory, and therefore uh, Israel should be defined as an apartheid state. Uh, you know, it's the regular reaction uh, also by the, by the readership of uh, anger or ignoring, above all ignoring, that's the worst enemy, this apathy, this self-content, this uh, confidence that we are the most, uh, the only democracy in the Middle East, that the IDF is the most moral army in the world. This is still very deep-rooted in the Israeli society, and it's very hard to uproot it. We need many, many more forces from the world to start to to call the bluff. It's quite likely
0: to impact in the the medium to long term uh, in the United States and uh, in Europe. Uh, it's, uh, It's a kind of judgment, condemnation, from an unexpected quarter. And no one can even begin to mount the charge that Amnesty International is an anti-Semitic organization. As as, um, a friend of mine once over dinner, Shula Etaloni, former Israeli minister, once said, she said it to me, to my face, uh, that uh, we always play this trick. Uh, accusing uh, critics of anti-Semitism. Of course, that practice has grown and grown, but there comes a point at which, and I think Amnesty International is that point, at which this becomes self-defeating for supporters of the Israeli system. Don't you think?
1: Yes, but it didn't reach enough of civil societies in Europe, and still this weapon is paralyzing most of the critics of Israel. And I'm very sorry to say so. This manipulation is very effective, this Israeli manipulation, namely to accuse anyone who who dares to criticize Israel or criticize only the occupation as being labeled as an anti-Semite. And I'm, I'm really amazed to see how still it is effective. How media in Europe and even social media and civil societies are still so scared of this accusation and it still paralyzed them and shut their mouths. I mean, it's enough to say anti Semite and, and people get paralyzed.
0: Remarkable. Gideon Levy, you are a remarkable man. Stay safe. Thanks for joining us again on the mother of all talk shows. Let's hope you're right about the war. Coming soon to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to the Moats Podcast. Now, you'll know already if you're a regular viewer that I'm very proud to have played a part in the downfall of Robert Maxwell. The fraud that he was, it's been 30 years since Robert Maxwell fell or jumped or was pushed off the back of his yacht, the Lady Ghislaine. Ghislaine Maxwell, whatever happened to her? Now look, this podcast will be released at 10 p.m. on Sunday, the 13th of February. But if you want exclusive access to the whole series, in video form you can do it right now and you'll be able to see every episode three weeks before the podcast is released so here's how you do it you click over to my patreon sign up and support my channel right now search patreon.com forward slash george galloway but this is just the start we've got so many plans for my patreon page I'm really genuinely excited about it. So uh, you'll be able to not just listen to uh, my book about the 1970s, but hear me discussing the music, the films, the, the, the culture, the politics uh, of the 1970s. You'll be able to do that. But perhaps most importantly, I discovered a treasure trove of video of all the speeches I made in the run-up to the Iraq war. Some of you might even have been at those meetings. It's really weird looking back at them, what I looked like 20 years ago, what you looked like in the audience 20 years ago. You might very well want to see yourself at those meetings.